Hey you, what it do everybody? I am DJ Doris E. And I'm Maya Dorsey. And this is another edition of the Dorsey Den Podcast. Yeah, get back on that Zoom caller. Get back on because we, we getting worst. We getting worst. Worst. I'm about to say, you didn't put a <laughs> T on it. Worst. <laughs> yeah, we getting we getting kind of bad with this coronavirus thing. He pushing um, towards purple. Ohio. In Ohio. Yes. In Ohio. Certain counties. Certain counties. Yeah, I think certain places. The governor came on today. I didn't, of course, I was at work when I got the notification that he was coming on, but I don't know what he said. I think he said that. Y'all keep it up. <laughs> yeah, basically, like your mama said, y'all keep y'all keep it up here. Y'all gonna be on punishment. Yeah, and y'all gonna be back down, back on lockdown. But truth be told, I think we need a hardcore lockdown. I think the whole country. What state was that that had that that they're on a two week lockdown? Well, it was a city. I think it was El Paso, Texas. Oh yeah, El Paso, Texas. I yeah. don't think it was. I don't think it's the whole state yeah, of Texas. Yeah, I think it's the city. But um, well, they got a curfew. I think everybody has to be in by, I don't know, nine o'clock, ten o'clock. I don't I guess know. I don't know. I haven't read it, so please don't jump down my throat, listeners. But I guess I don't know what a curfew is going to do. Yeah, I don't. I Versus haven't seen the whole outline. Saying everybody that can work from home, work from home. Nobody's moving for the next two weeks. I mean, because what it was a country in South America that we just heard about. Yeah, like they couldn't do Chile. Chile, like Chile. they couldn't do nothing. Nothing, and, and even the police had to that's give what, you a permit to go yes, out. Yes, yes, that's what it was. Because we was talking to a guy. That's what it is. Yes, actually, a chaplain. He's, that's right. That's he, right. He's from Chile. That's right. And we, were, you know, we were just talking to him, trying to, you know, understand. Because uh, I don't know why I ain't been. My geographics has been off. I thought Chile was in Europe. Mm, no, I just ain't heard the name Chile in so long. I forgot where it was at. Mm-hmm. But he's from South. He's from Chile, which mm-hmm. is in South America. And he was talking about <clears throat> American lockdown. Really, ain't nothing to Chile. And I don't know about the rest of South America, but he was talking about specifically where he's from. And he said, you can't even leave the house unless you got a permit from the police. And you only get two passes per week to, per go, week. to, the, to go to yeah. the grocery store. Outside yeah. of that, you in the house. You in the house, so you better get everything you need. Unless you are an essential, like a grocery worker. Yeah. But everybody else is kind of like unemployed. Yep. If you are a hard laborer, yeah. There, there, you can't even go. You can't even. There is no work for you right now because everything is on shutdown. That's what he said. And I don't want to be insensitive because it's easy for me to say we need a hardcore lockdown like that. But then you got I can work from home. You can work from home. Our kids can do school from home. But everybody ain't got the type of job where they can work from home. Or it gets the home structure. You know, whether it's space. Rather, it's um, social, emotional support. Because um, we got it good here in Ohio and some of these other states outside of, like, New York. Yeah, I mean. these big cities. Where that it. you're not crammed, you know, packed in on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we have Wi-Fi access that, um, knock on wood, works pretty decently. Um, so, I mean, there are certain factors that go into you being able to work from home efficiently. Um, I think people do what the best they can, of course, but efficiently work from home mm-hmm. you know it's not just go home like yeah. it's other other factors that tie into it yeah it's it's not easy um i remember just 
I remember when we first started this working from home stuff. Uh, well, this whole quarantine thing, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was struggling. In the beginning, I was struggling to work from home because it's like I felt trapped. And I'm an extrovert. So, but now I think I'm feeling a little bit better. But last week, now we'll come back to that. Last week, we didn't record. No, we did not. Our apologies. But there is a good excuse. Very good excuse. So. And I will say that, you know, we, our goal is to record and have something out every Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Except for certain seasons. Rather that's like. We're on vacation or it's the holidays. Like after we reach a certain point, probably in November, we'll probably be off until January. Um, probably from Thanksgiving to New Year's, we'll probably be off. Um, we will. I don't know. We did last year. I think we took like a holiday break because we went on the cruise and all of that. So like we didn't come back on to like January. <laughs> we ain't got no excuse this year. <laughs> right. Well, kind of, sort of we do, but you know. Yeah. Um, But we try to be consistent. That is our goal, to release something every Wednesday. But things happen, whether Mm -hmm. it's schedule conflicts or um, something going on with the kids. or A you conflict. Or, you know. So, about two Saturdays ago, um, you know, it's Saturday morning. I wake up in the morning. Yeah. For real, a whole animation. Yeah, they okay. got to know I yawn. Okay. It was one of those long yawns. You know how a dog when he yawns. Oh my god! His tongue come out his mouth and it's curled up. A whole lion, a lion yawn. Go yeah, ahead. It was, it was me. Like I got, yeah, I had one of those type of yawns. So I can't. You like my stomach hurt, and I'm like, cause I sleep in on Saturday. Saturday is like sacred to me. Mm-hmm. I don't like to do anything before noon on Saturday because I like to sleep in to about 9 or 10 o'clock in yep. the morning. Mm-hmm. And when I say woke me up about my sleep in pain, yeah. Yeah, so you woke up and was just like, my stomach is hurting. So I'm like, you know, we trying to figure it out to the point where I'm like, you want some Pepto-Bismol? Like, do you need to just let one big one out? I can't. And I was like, it doesn't feel like my stomach. Mm-hmm. But, okay, give me, you know, you went and got the Pepto. So then you like, I don't know, it feels, it don't feel like it's my stomach stomach, but it's in the stomach area. My abdominal. Yeah, so I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. Then when you hit me with, I think I need to go to the hospital. Whenever you say that, which is very rare. Very rare. Because I hate the hospital. I'm like, okay, is that serious? Like. Maybe you just need to go drink some apple juice and maybe it just explode mm-hmm. out. The pain was just different. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. And I had something to do that day. I don't remember what it Oh. Jade had an appointment. Yeah, Jade had an appointment. So you were supposed to take her initially, but I ended up taking her. So you go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. You get they had to do a um MRI. Was it an MRI? MRI? Yeah, they had to do an MRI and um, comes out. Well, I'm thinking, first of all, when I get in the hospital, I'm thinking maybe it's a kidney stone, gallstone, some kind of stone, or maybe it's some sort of like, I don't know. 
I just couldn't describe it because I kept saying the pain is deep. Mm-hmm. So when I get in there, of course, when you have abdominal pain, like they move very quickly. Anytime you have chest pain and abdominal pain, you're going to be seen quickly. Okay. And so um, I get in there. Thankfully, luckily, you know, this was two weeks ago and the hospital was fairly empty. The ER was fairly empty. And so got right, got back with no problem. Of course, they go through a whole history of questions. Now, in February, I had a partial hysterectomy mm-hmm. where I had my uterus removed. And so I had to go through all of that. Well, and I, you was down for what, like six, six, seven weeks. I was down six weeks. And, you know. Okay, so once they take me through the MRI, send me back. Luckily, because I was about to eat, I didn't eat anything that day, um, that morning, because it was early, like, early afternoon, so I hadn't eaten anything, and they were like, good, have you eaten anything? I was like, no. Thirsty than a mug, <laughs> because they're like, well, you can't drink and eat anything, because we don't know what's about to happen. So I'm in there like, oh, my God. They come back. They're like, okay, we're going to do an ultrasound. Um, We found something on your ovary. We're going to do an ultrasound. Now, mind you, like I said, I had a partial hysterectomy in February about 10 years ago, probably 11 years ago after I had Jade, I had an issue with my right ovary Mm -hmm. and had to get my right ovary taken out in between Jade and Noah. Mm -hmm. Like I said. Noah was born with one ovary. With one ovary, no complication, no Mm -hmm. problem. Crazy. Mm -hmm. So all I had left after Jay was my uterus and one ovary. So they say, well, there's something on the one ovary that's left. All my other body parts is gone. Okay? So they do a ultrasound, look at it. They're like, "Mm, something's on it. You know, I think this is the source of your pain. We're going to have to do emergency surgery. I'm texting you like, they're talking about doing emergency surgery. you like, today, 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 today. Well, anybody that knows me, go ahead. In my selfish mind, in my selfish mind, and I kind of had a right to be selfish, but if it comes to you or my family, I got to, you know. But I was off for four days. I had, I you know, was off Monday and had a Tuesday off. I'm like, Lord, I, got, I, I already got these days. Because what was it, Columbus Day? Yes. Yes. It was Columbus Day, and I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna take that Tuesday off. I got so much time I gotta use that I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna just start burning this time. I'm gonna take off Tuesday too. Man, I'm like, I ain't gonna front in my mind. I'm like, gosh, what is that? Okay, I'm like in my mind. If I gotta use this time that I planned just to, uh, just to chill, I'm like, gosh, darn it. But I would have done it. I would have already been Listen, off. Listen, I know your time off is sacred like my Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, God. I felt bad that you had to take Jay to go get her hair done because I was supposed to also get my hair done, too, like after her appointment. So I was like, that's not going to happen. So they're like, hey, we're going to go ahead and call Dr. Jackson. Dr. Jackson's been on the podcast before. She mm-hmm. and I have been... We have had a personal relationship before she was my doctor. Um, she is my a uh, friend of my godmother's, and that's how I met her, and um, been my doctor ever since. And so we have a relationship. Mm-hmm. She was on call. 
She was not on call. Yeah, she wasn't on call. She was not on call. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, well, we're going to try to get her on the phone, try to figure out what's going on. Because every single surgery, I have had a history of fibroids since I was an adult. Oh, yes. I mean, literally. Like, from the time I turned 18 up until now, I have had some sort of issue with fibroids. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm fortunate that the fibroids have did not prevent me from not being able to have children. Um, you know, cause they can, they can really prevent, uh, my fibroids, not you, my fibroids, I call you fertile beach. Well, I mean, thank, thank God, you know, but that's not everybody's situation. Mm-hmm. Um, my fibroids initially when I was 24, um, had this pain that made me drop to my knees constantly. Remember that I'd be in church or whatever. And I'd just be like buckled over with these sharp pains. Oh, I thought you was worshiping. You and I ain't going to say his name. <laughs> Knocked you upside your head. But um, came out the spirit and said, oops, my bad. Are you okay? Somebody hit me at church. It, we were in praise and worship. Hits me in the forehead. I go down because I'm holding my eye like, am I bleeding? You looking all straight face, trying not to laugh. I'm like, am I bleeding? you like, no. So when they come out of air quote worship, ask me like, I'm sorry. You okay? Dude, I could have lost an eye by now. Like, seriously? So, anyway, <laughs> um, when I was, like, 24, I had fibers in the uter- in my uterus, inside the uterus. And so, they had to be removed, which, as a result, I was told I would never be able to have vaginal births. I would have to have C-sections. And, thank- thankfully, I did have two successful C-sections. However, in between there constant issues with fibroids so the doctor comes in that's on call she's like you know i'm gonna get jackson on the phone because she's done all your surgeries i said yes every last one and i'm talking about i've had a total in our marriage of maybe like six seven procedures between the c-sections and the myomectomies the ovary being out the uterus being out maybe like eight i have my stomach is like a roadmap I have all little cuts and marks all over my stomach from all but these you know what the good thing is about that is surgery. Uh, tech, I would say probably like technology has gotten so much. It better. has gotten so much you better. Can't, like even what they yes. just did, I can't even see the incision. Yes, I mean it has gotten so much better in the last sixteen years from when I started to now. Um, I don't know what how they go up in there, but it's a robot, and they poke three holes in your stomach, and then they take the robot in, and that's how they clip it, and then they pull it out of your. Um, Vagina. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind of how they pull out the parts that's cut. They pull it from your vagina. Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. How they going to get it out? I thought they pulled it through the cut that they made. I mean, it just depends on what it is, but my uterus, they couldn't take it out of those holes. I did not know that. They couldn't take that big old uterus out of that little bitty hole. I don't, I don't know too Because you get a cut that. on each side of your stomach, left and right, and one down your belly button. And they insert it in the machine and they looking on the screen and the machine the little robot is going they manipulating it and then they clip it and then they pull it only if they can see my face right now anywho the life of a woman men are so lucky but um i long story she, sh- she should have never told adam to bite that apple <laughs> i'm telling you long story short i mean i was in a lot of pain on a scale of one to ten i was a nine i was in a lot of pain mm-hmm. And um, they were like, you know, Jackson is not on call this weekend. We can't get her on the phone. 
um, you know, we can give you some pain medicine. And this was a Saturday. Send you on your way. Send you home, and you can follow up with her on Monday. I'm like, yep, because nobody's cutting on me until you talk to her. Until I talk to Jackson, because we have a relationship, and she's one. I know she's gonna do everything she can to save it, save me, and do what's best for me. So you end up going to go see Jackson on Monday. Yeah, on Monday. Because the the thing was is that if I lost my other ovary, then I was for sure going to menopause. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> we didn't <laughs> you, need. You shut up. Listen. You be quiet. We'll we'll come back to that too. We'll circle back to that. You be quiet. So you go see Dr. Dr. Jackson. She I see Jackson on Monday. What? She said she looks at the MRI. She looks at the ultrasound because I went to the hospital that she's a part of that network. Mm-hmm. Pulled everything up. She was like, "Yes, it has to come out." And so I was like, "And shocked. devastated." I was devastated. I was, was devastated. So devastated that every time we talked, everything. The only thing was you say to me is, "I can't, I can't believe, believe it." it. I just can't believe it. And I couldn't believe I'd be it. I'd like, my gas sure do need some gas. My car sure do need and some like, gas. I can't believe it. I can't it. believe it. Because What's I for just, dinner tonight? <laughs> I, I can't, can't believe, believe it. it. I'm like. <laughs> because I had just had a six-week recovery in February. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about within the same calendar year. You know, like eight months difference. Mm-hmm. So I just knew in February that this part of my life of having all of this is over. Mm-hmm. So... Come to find so out. So I'm in Jackson's mean, office. I have a pain shot. I get a pain shot. In your butt. Basically. It's very, very painful. Jesus. So she gives me a shot. She's like, look, we probably can have surgery tomorrow, which was a Monday. She's we have surgery Tuesday. I'm I like, said, can, God dang it. I said, can you day off? I said, can you give me a minute? I said, can I just I said, can I make it to Christmas? She said, Oh no. Oh no. You you can't make it to Christmas. She was like, you you have to get out of this pain. So I said, can you give me a week? She said, yep. I'll put you on the R for the next week. So she was like, meantime, you're going to have to use a pain, man- pain management plan to get through the pain. I'm like, okay. Um, and when I say pain, for any woman that has a menstrual cycle, the you know, when you have cramps, the pain was cramps times like 20. All mm. down your back, all down your legs, pain, deep pain, okay? So I'm like, I'm just going to push through because I got to get my stuff in order and do it. Fast forward, which was Tuesday, last Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, scheduled for surgery, still in disbelief. Jackson was in disbelief, too. She was like, I just can't believe, like, things have progressed this fast. Yep. Um, so let me let me go from here. So Tuesday... You you got to be at the doc. You got to be at the hospital by eight twenty in the morning. Yes. Um. So we get to the hospital. They do the prep. Yada yada yada. They take you back. Mhm. They do. They perform. Well, no, because remember the guy. Remember the guy is like, are she, is she going to take part of the ovary or all of it? And the plan. <laughs> and, the, and my doctor was a G. Like, yo, she pulled. A what's on the paper? False move. She was like, what's on the paper? She's like, y'all holding up surgery. What's on the paper? And at first, I thought she was joking. I did, too, because I've never seen she, her, like, go in that mode. She, she like, went straight from hey to, to y'all holding snappy, up surgery. Snappy, 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 let's move it. She was like, what's on the paper? Uh, we're taking out the ovary. Okay, then. Let's well, that's go. What, that's what it is. Let's go. Let's get it moving. You holding up surgery. 
I looked at the guy. I looked at you. I was like, that's one of them things where you're like, I'm going to just, I'm going to I'm like, I'm going to look down at my phone that, it was the, that's I not in like, my hand. Okay? I felt like that, uh, that, that GIF, uh, G-I-F GIF of Homer Simpson when he backs into the bushes. Yeah. That's how I felt at that moment. Because she like, is sweet as pie. But he, I guess he had went to her and said the patient has a question, and I didn't he came have a, to you with the question. Right, I'm like, I didn't have a question. He asked me, "Was it the whole thing coming out or a part?" And I said, "I didn't know." So, they take you back. At that point, they like, "Come on, let's go." They take you back. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Hook you up. Do all that. I'm, I'm out. I'm in the waiting room. So after they perform, Jackson comes, grabs me, takes me into the little room. Um, we didn't have to take out the ovary. There was something on the ovary between or between the ovary and the bladder, which was called which was causing the pain. Mm-hmm. Babe, I didn't tell you this part. I'm telling you right now, live. <laughs> what? There was relief on my end. Was it? O M G. I was worried because you was worried. Yeah. But the relief on my end was if they take that ovary, <laughs> your hormones is about to be way out of whack. <laughs> And I was like, I even told LaShawn, I was like, I don't know how she's going to be after this, bro. <laughs> I, I, if they take this other ovary, O-M-G, a, a black woman with Shut her up. hormones. Shut up. Don't be saying no black woman. It's any ho- woman. We any all got woman, hormones. But I'm just saying this black woman with her, with her hormones out of whack. I said, yeah, LaShawn, pray for her, but pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> pray for me so thankfully they didn't have to take your ovary it was just something kind of like sandwiched in between it and was I, wedged in between yeah, the ovary and the bladder yeah. which was causing the pain she went in there did it and was like the ovary is beautiful she's showing me pictures it looked like a little um uh, a, a, a piece of hail like yeah. you know when it's like raining outside and the mm-hmm. hail comes out but it was like perfectly round yeah a hell with a hint of egg or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's what the ovary really looks like? So they didn't have to take it out. Yeah. So I'm in recovery. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'm in pain. Because I don't care whether they took it out or not. When they take anything out from the inside of your body and cut it, yeah. it hurt. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, laying there, like, one eye open, like, uh. She was like, honey, they did not take out your ovary. They did not take it out. I said, they didn't take it out. She said, no, they didn't take it out. I'm staring like, well, why the devil am I in pain? Because what's going on? Mm-hmm. So um, it wasn't until like a little while later she was like able to give me more detail as to what happened. But I was so relieved. I mean, even like out of it, I was just like, thank you, Jesus. Like I just was so relieved because I'm like, once you have no ovary, um, you have to go on, on hormone replacement therapy. I'm currently on hormone replacement therapy because rather you have two ovaries, if you have one ovary, your hormones is only on 50%. So you have to make that up some kind of way. So with me not having a uterus and not having one ovary, um, night sweats is my thing. Um, a cloudy, uh, foggy brain and memory is another one of my one of my symptoms. So, hormone replacement therapy gives me that hormone back. The one thing you don't forget is money. <laughs> At all, um, play by my coins. You, you, you can be 
Man, you don't. Yeah, I don't that, play that ain't never cloud about my money at all. So, um, you know, I get some of that back through hormone replacement, mm-hmm. and so um, not having any, well, you got to make up all of the hormones. You know, using hormone medication. So I was like, oh, my God, this is about to be crazy. So I had to change nothing. I didn't have to change any medicine. I had to add a medicine, take away a medicine, nothing. I was mm-hmm. like, thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Came home, recovery time. When I came home, it was kind of rough, but I don't know if that was just because I was just so out of it in pain and on pain meds. But, like, right now, like you said, my incision, it's, like, non-existent. Yeah, yeah. Cause when I, I had to, he, he, you asked me to take the bandages off. It was three bandages that I had to take off. I was like, "Do you want me to just rip them off?" Come on, do you want me to yeet? No, I don't want you to yeet. You want me to just yeet, or do you want me to just slowly pull? He was like, "Nah, don't slowly pull." I mean, don't don't yeet. So I'm pulling it off, and then I get to look, and you like, "What does it look like?" I'm like, "I don't see nothing." Like, it's like a look. Little cut. So whatever Slither. type of stitches that they use, I think it's that disposable. She used glue. Oh, is it glue? Mm-hmm. Okay, well that explains it because I'm like I don't see no thread. Yeah, they and maybe it. maybe maybe stitches is a thing of the past. They're kind of they kind of is because the last few procedures I've had is glue. Okay. Even my C-section with Noah was glue. Because I mean, I think even when when Noah got stitches in his head. He got stitches though. Was it stitches? Mm-hmm. But he it got was dissolvable. dissolvable. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because I remember when I got stitches in my eye some year when I was a kid, um, running on the school playground, ran into somebody, they tooth cut my eye, so I had to get stitches. I had stitches in my chin trying to climb a fence when I was like in kindergarten. But I do remember getting stitches. Then I had to go back for them to take the stitches out. Oh yeah, yeah. Now no. Yeah, I don't think they do that anymore. So mm-hmm. that that's maybe a improvement in technology. But um, yeah, when I checked it, and you know what, what I learned with Noah, well, with myself, because remember I had to get stitches after breaking up a school fight about four years ago. Yeah, I remember. Um, what they told me, I ended up getting cosmetic sutures in my forehead because it was in my forehead, middle of my forehead. I was like, oh my god, I'm not about to be looking crazy. He said the reason why the doctor, it was a plastic surgeon that ended up stitching me. He said the reason why people have, like, stitches, scarring, is because they left them in too long and they did not keep them wet. So when you see people who have, like, the cuts and they have, like, that little stitching or, like, more scarring where you can tell they've gotten cut in their face, it's because... They let the incision area or the cut area get too dry mm-hmm. and or they left the stitches in too long. Mm-hmm. So it begins to scab up differently. Gotcha. So he said the key is anytime you have stitches is to keep it wet. Like some neosporin yeah. or something on keep there. Keep it wet and then go back when you're supposed to to get them removed. Or any type of thing. I'm not advertising neosporin, but no, I'm just joking. Right, some, but or some Vaseline. Or yeah, just something. keep it keep it moist. Mm, mm-hmm. Never knew that. So if you look at my head now, you can't even it. tell because I did everything that man told me to do. Yeah, I'm looking at it like I forgot all about that. Yeah, that it was in your forehead. And Noah's doesn't look bad either. Yeah, but he got a little bit of a noticeable thing. Yeah, yeah. he gonna have the doctor told me he'll have his for life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They gonna yeah his, his is, but it's not huge. It's just like this little 
scab. Right in the middle of his head. Right in the middle of his, his head. His sister helped him to get. Yeah, but they never know how it happens. <laughs> That's the one thing about kids. It's like every time something happens. No, he told us. Jay told him to jump off the bed. She was going to catch him. She didn't. He hit his head on the dresser. But something else came out later. I don't know. I think the part that she was supposed to catch him came out later. I think it was just he jumped off the bed or something. I don't know. But yeah, kids, kids, kids. But week a week later, um, I'm feeling pretty good. Went back to work yesterday and completely grateful. Yeah, I said it this morning. I'm like, oh, you moving like normal now? Yeah. Because I, I could tell when you was coming down the steps, it was like one step <laughs> at a time. <laughs> yeah, it took me forever to get down. But whatever shoes you wore today, I thought you was hurting again. Because you came down them steps real careful. <laughs> I was like, man, them shoes, I know they hurting your feet the way you walking. <laughs> they were. Yeah. Why do women squeeze their feet in the shoes? But anywho, um, what I said earlier uh, about the beginning of the pandemic and quarant- well, I should say the beginning of a quarantine, you know, we was in, you know, pretty much tucked away in our houses. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> lately, within the last month maybe a month I would say it's just like my being a black man I don't I I just did a lot of reflecting and it seemed like it was just in my face I don't know if it's I don't know what just made it be in my face but it was just really in my face Mm -hmm. and I have really just been struggling with my I don't know my conscience around it in a sense I don't know if that's the right word, but it's like we've been through a lot this year. A lot. I mean, a lot. And I don't know. It seemed like it just dropped on me all in just a day. Like, gosh. And we've been saying this for years. Being black is not easy. Mm-mm. And there, there's been several things that's just been like, why questions like and this is the one that most black people if not all black people are probably like yeah that's always been the question like what is it about my skin that white person don't like or somebody outside of our culture usually is white people i don't think i don't think we really had those problems with asians or um mexicans or hispanics i i don't if it, if it exists I haven't really seen it. It's it's less now because what has happened now is that anyone that is not black can have a choice to identify as white. Even Mexicans? Black and brown. So let me say black and brown don't have that option. Mm -hmm. But Jews, for example, was not considered white. You were considered a Jew. Mm-hmm. Whereas now the distinctions are not made, you know, as distinctly as they used to be. Mm-hmm. So like, unless you want to identify yourself and say I'm a Jew or or Jewish, let me say Jewish, or say I am um, Turkish or whatever, you can still identify as fall white. in line and identify as white. Okay. So, it, it's just like th- those type of questions. Like, what is it about my skin? 
Mm-hmm. And then, but on on the flip side, I just been really doing some pondering because if if I can be honest, there's been things that's making me feel like it ain't just people outside of my race that's making me feel this way. It's people within my own race. Mm-hmm. And one of them is one thing that I absolutely hate, and I say I hate like I I, I it's more than a strong dislike. I don't, I can't stand when somebody comes to me because I'm black telling me I should support black businesses. Like that gets under my skin. And I think I've had experiences, and I'm not saying this is not all, this is all because I have businesses that I support to this day that are black. However, I don't support them simply on the fact that they're black. I support them based on they got a great product and they treat me well, and they just so happen to be black. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I do like to support, but I'm not going to support you based on that fact that you're black. Mm -hmm. I'm just just not. I'm going to support you if you got a great product. Mm -hmm. So don't come to me with that mentality of, because I'm black, you black, we we should support each other. No, I don't. I don't expect you to support me if I don't offer a great product. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's really not even fair. I I have this Chick-fil-A uh, model in my head. Like, I don't know where Chick-fil-A get their people, but I think every business should kind of model their customer service after them. Polite. On time. Quality product. Quality product polite and I don't know it's those two things alone that just make me want to come back you got a quality product that's quick and yeah, you don't fast service yeah fast service you don't cheat me out of my food mm-hmm. and it's it's consistent I can't tell you one time that I had a, a a bad experience at chick-fil-a I had one time where I was like okay I got a sandwich. This was a couple of years ago. I got a sandwich, and the, the meat was just, the chicken was really small. <laughs> like, you had to open the bun to see the meat. <laughs> it was almost like they put a nugget on my sandwich. <laughs> they, they knew they was wrong when they put it on there. So I was like, where the rest of my sandwich? Where the rest of my chicken? Told them. They, they made it right. Okay. I ain't got no problem. No questions asked. Oh, my God. Sorry. They probably just had it out of a system, you know, putting meat on a bur- on the bread or something. But anywho, yeah, that that's something that's been kind of like bothering mm. me, because, uh, and this is don't get me wrong when I say this. This is I'm not saying this is all black businesses. However, when I used to try to support those so, so people because they black, I'm black. Okay, cool, I got you. And it be those that do me wrong, or I don't get the product. That I that I thought I was getting, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So that that alone was just kind of like, and and I'm not saying it was one person. I'm not saying it was two. I'm not saying it's five. It's been many cases where this has happened. So it gets up under my skin because it's like, okay, if I let if I take my business elsewhere, then it's like, oh, I'm hating or you didn't give me enough chance. Look. I work just as much as you work. My dollar, I got to make a count. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm I I really wanted to go over here in the first place, but I really was like I really want to support you. And this thing has been over and over and over. Where I was just like, you know what, bump that. And a lot, and I know people are gonna get upset about me saying that, but the fact is. We hear it amongst our own people that they've had the same experience too. Yeah. So it's like, and, and I think that's the other thing that 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 gets on my nerves too because, oh my God, these kids are making so much noise. I didn't text them a hundred times to hush and hurry up. They're making a ton of noise. But I think when we when we call out our our, our when we call out dirt. Mm-hmm. people get upset like you shouldn't be like right now I probably shouldn't be saying this out loud but we all see it's like this elephant in the room that we all see but when I say something you got a problem with me is there a specific thing that you can address like to give an example of your experience painting okay I don't know if I said it on this podcast before but we hired a guy I almost want to say the business name. I don't know if he still got that business name, but it was very Christianese. It was a very Christianese name. <laughs> Christianese. Yeah, like <laughs> like the name was just like for your glory painting. <laughs> I don't remember what the name. I remember what the name is, but I'm not gonna say it because I don't know if he still. I got don't that even name. remember, but go ahead. Uh, I do. <laughs> I remember the name. So, um, people be going to Google like, let me see who that was. So he. Came and painted our house, painted a room in our house. Mm-hmm. I think it was being the painted. master suite. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this was, yeah. So this was probably about ten years, ago, more than ten years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like two thousand eight. And you still bitter? I'm still bitter. Ben, can you turn your iPad and stuff off, please? Yeah, I thought this seriously. No, that's my iPad over there. This is way over there. But anywho, he was like, you know, and you you heard great stuff. You, I heard great stuff. Like he does a really great job, but I think our standard was a little bit different. So yes, you know, you know how meticulous I am. Yeah. So he comes, he paints the house. I mean, he paints the room, but he paints the room and the uh, bait. Like he was supposed to paint it one color. I think it was supposed to be brown. When he painted it. He got the baseboards. He got a whole bunch of brown on the baseboards. Next the baseboards day, was the same color as the wall. And Literally. He, so when he gets finished painting the room, he hits us with, oh, all y'all got to do now is paint the baseboards white. <laughs> he did. And I'm looking at him like. First of all, I'm not no painter, and this is not what I do. Now, I have friends that, you know, Tashana came and painted Jay's room in an hour. But no, but check this Some out. Some people are handy like that. Yeah. That's not my, but, but, that's not my, but not my area is, of expertise. The thing is, he paints the room the color we wanted, which I think was brown. I don't remember. Caramel, like a caramel color, yeah. But he gets paint on the baseboards. And then when he finishes, he says, all y'all got to do is paint the baseboards white. <laughs> so I'm dumbfounded looking at him like, what do you mean all we got to do? He was like, oh, no, I don't paint baseboards. <laughs> but you just painted these baseboards. Yeah. Right. You got paint on the baseboards. I mean, not like strokes of paint. It's drippage all over it the baseboards. Was pretty much covered in paint. So I'm looking dumbfounded like, <laughs> huh? I've never in my life heard that. I'll paint your walls. Oh, I don't do baseboards, though. 
I've never to this day ever heard that. And he, I'm I'm waiting on a, ha, I'm just playing. <laughs> that man was packing up his stuff and talking like, y'all don't paint baseboards. Yeah, man, it'd be 250 or whatever it was. I don't remember how much it was. And I'm looking like. And I'm looking at you like, if this fool don't figure out how he gonna get my baseboards back white. What ended up happening? Did he end up painting them? No, my cousin came and he ended up painting them. Right, right. And he was dead, and I'm like, O-M-G. So that's one example of many. That you're still scarred by. I'm still, but it's because it's like, we hear people say, we got to do better. But then if I call you out on your stuff, then I'm I'm looked at as if, oh, you bougie or uppity or something. No, I worked. I wanted a certain way. And based on standards, this is what a certain way looks like. But I think when our stuff is called out, then it's a problem. The other thing that I've been like struggling with is, and I know, I know people are going to have an issue with this. All of this is what I'm saying, but it's me. This is how I'm feeling. Black lives matter. Okay. Part of me can't get with it. What? Now, the injustice... I'm all for that. I think the, what I mean by that, what I can't get with is the movement. I have a little bit of an issue with the movement because, or, or should I say the same? I, I'm trying to make sure I word this right because I know people are looking like, what, what, what you about to say? Yeah, because I'm looking. I, the injustice, definitely. Black Lives Matter, I feel like our lives haven't mattered. But where I get a little confused and scratching my head is black lives matter and we only come together when there's a tragedy that happens to us outside of our culture. Okay. But when we do it to ourselves, we ain't screaming black lives matter. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like a part of me kind of understands because it feels like I can talk about my siblings Mm-hmm. I can crack on them. But bet nobody else do but it. But bet nobody else do it. Mm-hmm. So that part I get. Mm-hmm. But if we doing each other just wrong and we and we like I feel like there's something that's plaguing our culture that's keeping us from moving forward. And what I like, I understand slavery happens. I get it. And I get an, an injustice is happening to our people. Mm-hmm. I get it. However, I am past the stage of my life personally where I put the blame on other people for my setbacks. Okay. I feel like some of the things that's happening to our people, we use certain things as a crutch. For example, the city that we live in, we live in Dayton, Ohio. There's a section called Trotwood where we used to live. Mm-hmm. Used to be the upper echelon black, a lot of white people. And then Trotwood kind of just went downhill. A lot of stuff pulled out. We lost the mall. We lost restaurants. We lost Best Buy, Circuit City, just about every Kmart, Walmart. Everything has left Trotwood, where Trotwood is almost like desolate. 
Excuse me. So, if anybody knows anything about our city, there's another section called Beaver Creek, where there's a Fairfield Mall. Mm-hmm. Bus line don't even go out there. They don't even they I, intentionally. Intentionally, yeah, always. The uh, bus line doesn't even go out there by design. So there was this huge uproar some years ago where it was like we need to let the buses go out there you know we got to get we trying to work and yada 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 there was a lot of energy like campaigning protesting to get this bus line to go out there in my mind i'm thinking to myself to me that's the wrong fight we putting all this energy to to take our dollars to go shopping out there. Some people want to work out there. And I feel like we're putting a lot of energy into getting a bus line to go out there. And I'm like, why are we fighting to bring businesses back to travel it mm-hmm. to keep our dollar here? And in my mind, if you build something that's nice, build something that has some quality, people are going to come. Mm-hmm. The same way people are flocking out to Beaver Creek and running it to me, it was like y'all, y'all begging to go spend your money out there and put the tax dollars in that community. How about we fight to get the businesses to come here, and then next thing you know, the people from Beaver Creek are shopping here. What happens when the tax dollars are spent in that community? Mm-hmm. The streets are better. Literally, the potholes get filled quicker because there's more money flowing in. Street lights are, are there's no missing street lights. Businesses attract businesses. More businesses are coming because they're like, oh, it's flourishing over here. And I'm like, to me, that was the wrong energy. I can see that. That was the wrong energy. And I don't, so that's the type of stuff I say to myself. We can't blame anybody else because take care of your own. Shovel your own snow. Cut your own grass. Stop tying up the dog in the front yard. And we're talking about, I'm saying that from personal experience. Literally, yes. Because when we tried to sell our house when we was in Troutwood, the neighbor across the street had a dog. Cared less about their property. And what happens is. High grass. High grass. And Troutwood used to be a place where if your grass got too tall, a a little too tall. When we first got there, you got a ticket. You would get a ticket. After Mm -hmm. a while, it was like the, the people, man, it'd be dogs tied up. By the, the grass was tall enough to where hay was growing out the top of the grass. Mm-hmm. I don't know, or wheat. It looked like wheat. It did look like wheat. And there was no ticket. There was there was nothing. Matter of fact, the city would come and cut it after a while. Mm-hmm. And nobody got a fee for it. Nope. No Matter of fact, it got so bad that they had built four new schools. Within a year, they had to close two of them because people was leaving. It was, it was not enough kids mm-hmm. in the district to support. The new buildings. buildings. A year later, they had to shut two brand new schools. Mm -hmm. That was literally just built. Mm -hmm. So when we tried to sell our house, we couldn't because people that would come and look and probably be looking at the neighbors like, oh, these folk is trifling. I don't want to be in this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm one who would love to be amongst, quote unquote, my own people. And this could be just a dating thing. Because I think if I was in Atlanta, I'd probably have a different viewpoint. 
I don't think so. Atlanta, black people are way more progressive in Atlanta. It's not about progressive, though. It's about behavior. And they got a different behavior. And it's, and it's also about... I mean, okay, so they have a different behavior, right? Mm-hmm. But there's still, you still had that whole. Listen, I don't want to get into politics, but there are some structural things from a racial lens that, regardless of Atlanta being a primary black city ran by black leaders, mm-hmm. there are still some things that are at play, irregardless to that. Mm-hmm. So one may think because it is predominantly black that you don't you won't have you won't encounter some of these different scenarios not saying you won't but i'm just saying black people are doing much better in atlanta than they are doing here in dayton collectively okay collectively i can see okay collectively black we because there's there's bigger numbers but there's bigger numbers but yet and still bigger numbers are not the percentage rate of black people doing better there is way okay. so that that's my point. Maybe if I was there, maybe I have a I got a guy who I know that lives in Houston. He said, I don't see that here. Houston is is very similar to Atlanta. Yeah. Yes. So he was like, I don't I don't ha- I don't the way you're describing it, I don't see. So maybe I, I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe it's my geographic area that the reason why I'm feeling like this. Of you're referencing black businesses in the success or i mean like what are you what's your your point of like what i just described about trywood and how i feel like stuff about economics economically okay. economically mm-hmm. speaking maybe i'm feeling that way about that and justice that's this whole country that's the whole country it's a whole social justice piece absolutely yeah that's the when i when systemic I, racism I, yeah nationally. systemic systemic racism that's existing everywhere economically i think you got different patches where black are more thriving in certain areas than they are in others. So that's the difference. Um, and then there was, there was one more thing uh, that I was feeling that I was just like, this is the survivor's remorse. And LaShawn had to tell me like, you got survivor's remorse. I hate the fact that you start doing better in life economically socially and then i start there was a part there was a point in time when i felt like i had to hide who i'm becoming as a as a i started feeling guilty like there are things that's happening in our lives right now where i've said i feel unworthy mm-hmm. i don't feel qualified but it's great things happening, mm-hmm. and and I and I really and I, I now that was this is the biggest thing that's been bothering me a lot, and I'm like, why do I feel this way? I feel, and I'm just being honest. This is me. I ain't saying anybody else. This is me. I would feel like when I get around, because where we live at now, is you 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 can spot a black person like a, a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. There's not many of us here. So when I and I said that to say when I do get around a lot of my black peers, sometimes I felt and I'm not saying I'm not saying this because I feel like I'm better than anybody, but I felt like I was dumbing myself down. You don't have to elaborate. Meaning when we was broke, when we was broke, 
the conversation was, <laughs> man, all I got is $10 to next week. Mm-hmm. And it was like everybody was laughing and everybody's like relating. Man, you got a 10? All I got is five. You got five? I'm in a negative right now. Mm-hmm. When now that's not the issue. And then I said something one day. I said something one day. This was a couple of about two years ago. I was with a group of black folk. And I said, hey, y'all, let's go somewhere. I don't remember where it was. Let's go somewhere. And I think it was let's go somewhere. And then before we go, let's grab something, some food. Let's go out to eat <laughs> pre-corona <laughs> where we could do that. Mm-hmm. And one girl looked at me and said, Terrence, we ain't got disposable income like you. And in my, it, it, it was like a, I don't know if it was a chin check, but I was just kind of like, hmm. And basically she was like, you talking about spending too much money. And everybody in the group was like, dude, yeah, right. Ain't nobody got no money to go eat and go to King's Island. I don't remember where we was going. And I was just like, they said, Terrence, you the only one around here that got the disposable income like that. And it just really threw me like, huh? And they was like, oh, you must have forgot. Hmm. And it just, I felt after that, it kind of brought me down to where I felt like once I got around like that crowd, I had to feel like, Everybody like, yeah, man, it's a struggle week this week. I just got paid and all my, I got money in my, in, in my bank account and it all went to bills. And I, I just got to sit there and just be like, I remember those days. Or you just got to sit there and laugh like, <laughs> right. To where, and I'm not saying like we just balling out of control, but that ain't my story no more. Mm-hmm. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So these, like, so when certain things that are happening and they're great, it makes me feel guilty where I'll be like, well, everybody else that look like me, I'm very cautious of how I say this because I, I know some people would try to misinterpret it. Some people will probably be like, I mean, so, like, I feel guilty because I don't want people to be like, oh, well, Terrence out of my league. Or them Dorsey's out of our league anymore. But. You you basically don't want to outgrow your friends and associates. And lived experience, our lived experience has changed. It has changed. And so sometimes, to your point, my sister her best friend and her have been best friends my whole, almost my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I'm 40. So my sister's best friend has literally watched me grow up, literally. Mm-hmm. And we were all together about a month ago. And she was like, "My," they call me Maya Maya. So it's like, Maya Maya, you have not changed. And she made the comment that I know, you know, you probably make good money and you're doing well. But you just the same on Maya. Mm-hmm. That was a compliment to me because for me, I always try to pride myself on being humble. 
mm-hmm. that my character should not be reflective of my income, mm-hmm. good or bad. Mm-hmm. So I try to carry myself in a pretty consistent way and just treat people well and be the best version of myself that I can be. Mm-hmm. So it is when a group of my friends, like, all my friends kind of run in groups. So, like, I have a group of friends that we've been friends for the last, what, 13, 14 years. Mm-hmm. I was flat broke 14 years ago. We was just talking about it. Like, literally digging for change in the bottom of the car so I can go dig up $6 so I can go pay the rest of the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Not that long ago, mm-hmm. you know, like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. right? So, back then... It was like, well, let's just go to Applebee's and just grab some appetizers or whatever. and Ten for ten. Yeah, and yeah. hang out. Or whatever they got. So now. Two for ten, I mean. So now if I say, y'all want to go to Fleming's? Because, I, you know, like, that's where I might go to dinner now. Because I can. You know what I mean? They, Fleming's, girl, ain't nobody about to go to Fleming's. Ain't nobody got no Fleming's money. You know what I'm saying? So I have to be like, oh, okay, where y'all want to go? You know what I mean? So I get how you can. And then there are friends. Like, we do have friends that have evolved, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that's a group we can be like, yeah, let's go to Fleming's. And that's the other thing. Your circle changes. Yeah, your circle does change. And so you you flex back and forth, and you have to adjust to, you know, where you are and you know who you're with not in a not in a fake way but it's just like you know i have to understand that everybody's situation and circumstances are different Mm -hmm. you know our circumstance god forbid could change at any given time things do happen and and it's and it's not a matter of like something that you can control you Mm -hmm. know because things do happen so you know i was gonna say there's one reason why you're at a point where you want to switch up all the glasses and stuff. You, you want to get rid of all the glasses. And oh, yeah. I'm like, we've had these same drinking glasses for 16 years. Like, but but the, the I'm like. And nothing's wrong with them. Nothing's wrong with them, but like, you're just ready to switch them up. Sometimes ain't nothing wrong with the couch, and you want to switch that up to the like, seriously. But. I do. Every couple of years. My one request is, and this is what a lot of people don't know. If you get rid of. If you switching out all the the um uh cookware. Cookware, leave those four pots. Don't ever get rid of them four pots. And if anybody don't know what I'm talking about, because we have talked about this one time, but we got four pots that we used to mm-hmm. boil water, me and you. Yep. Because we couldn't afford to pay the heat, the 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 vector the gas bill. Mm-hmm. And our heat got turned off. Our vectoring got turned off. Around here it's called vectoring, the gas bill. The vet, gas bill got turned off, and we used to have to boil four pots of water, so and we take a bath it, together, and take a bath together, mm-hmm. so we can have a hot bath. Mm-hmm. So that's one of them things to where I'm like, I we to this, we've been married for 16 years, and I refuse to get rid of them four pots because it reminds me of what we went through to get where we're at. Mm-hmm. And see, a lot of times, what what I think what a lot of people don't understand is they see the glory. But they didn't see the 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 uh, the um the struggle, the suffering, the suffering. 
But I keep certain things around to remind me, this is why I work hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And those four pots, I never want to get rid of them because I remember having to boil water. That experience is very close to me. And I think that ex- I think those years is what keeps me grounded. Mm-hmm. So for me, when people are like, you're just way too humble, like, I get, get it a lot. Like, you're just too humble. Mm-hmm. You know, like, rather, like, this week I had just had a newspaper article that I wrote that made it to Dayton Daily News. Typically, I just don't talk about myself. You know, I do stuff, and I don't even go back and revisit it. Mm-hmm. You know, rather it's, I did a PBS series. Never went back and watched it, you know. Um, did a did a um, interview on the local news, what, about a month ago? Mm-hmm. Never went back and watched it. Articles, never go back and read them. You know what I mean? Because it's like God has given me extraordinary opportunities, continuing to give me extraordinary opportunities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I realize that it's him completely. Absolutely. And that I am a vehicle for him. You know, and so because of that, what I'm bragging and boasting for. And so, you know, I struggle with that because people say, well, it's not bragging and boasting. It's just sharing. But it's it's a thin line to me between a person bragging and a person sharing. I think throwing it up in your face and saying, almost making it seem like, ha ha, look what I got and you don't, then that's bragging. But I, I mean, what I'm, I guess for me, my experience Anybody is a couple paychecks, a couple jobs, you know, a couple situations away from struggle. Mm-hmm. And so, period. I mean, the riches of the rich. Something can happen medically, anything, and you can be back to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And so I just try to keep myself grounded in a way, and I think it keeps me relatable to people mm-hmm. where I don't, where they don't feel like I'm being critical or judgmental or I'm too high and mighty. So... When you talk about a little bit of survivor's guilt, I don't necessarily have survivor's guilt because I think that experience is so tangible for me that I carry it every day. Mm-hmm. And Every single day. And I'm always completely humble by any other opportunity that's extended to me, you know, because it's just like, wow. You chose me or you asking me because I'm still in that frame of mind of struggle, the struggle days and the hustle days and the grinding days. So it's like when somebody sees you worthy of certain experiences and opportunities, it's so humbling because it was like nobody saw anything of me 10 years ago but struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, so for people to say, wow, I really look up to you. Can you be my mentor? I'm like, who are you talking about? <laughs> me? <laughs> who, me? You know, but it just shows the growth. I mean, it's one day at a time, it's one hour at a time, one second at a time Mm -hmm. of literally just living and just trying to be the best version of yourself every second of the day and then hope that people can see God in you and see the good in you in that effort. Mm -hmm. So for you, I mean, when you were like, because you just shared this with me like not too long ago, like, I'm kind of feeling a little survivor's remorse, you know, that I have outgrown certain situations and I feel like I don't necessarily fit neatly in certain circles because, you know, things have evolved and things have changed and business has grown. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, no, 
you work for every second of it. You work for every penny of it. You know, the suffering that we went through, people don't even really, I don't even think our parents truly know the the depth of the, Man, listen, of the suffering. You know, it, it's even to this day when I get in the car and I turn the ignition and that mug starts, yeah. I just have like a grateful feeling. Because I remember, <laughs> we had this conversation the other day. I remember coming outside from work and my car was gone because it got repoed. Gone. You know what I mean? Like, I remember those days. So, where I have to remind myself, and I just told somebody else just the other day, girl that I know, um, she's like started her business and things are starting to, you know, pick up for her and she's noticing things. And I had to tell her what somebody told me. Oh, you're experiencing growing pains. The people that was that's around you that's starting to act a little bit different or starting to call, quote unquote, call you out on stuff, and she's like, "Why are people acting like this?" I'm like, "You experiencing growing pains. Your friend, your circle is going to change. Mm-hmm. Your circle is going to change. And to be quite honest, even though my circle has changed and is changing, is constantly changing, and the people that I thought was going to be around for life." you know, is not, or we just, you know, we talk here and there. It's one of those things to where I'm like, I miss those days of when we used to just kick it all the time. We all be broke together. We, we, not, even, not even that. And, and I'm just thinking about a particular group. Like, we were all oh, be yeah. broke together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I got about $20, which I got about 10 like on a Sunday after church, it's like okay, we can get we can get some little Caesar's pizza. We ain't getting no uh, or let's go to the grocery store. I can make this. We can make you know, and it's like it was fun, you know. And so you don't want to lose that that bond and that and that connection. But you know, sometimes people see it differently, and you know, it kind of forces you in different directions. Yeah, and it and it so it, it's like with my schedule pre COVID. You couldn't, excuse me, you couldn't really find me unless you was at a party somewhere. I mean, that's what, I, I think that's what has kind of attributed to your. Because I can't, I don't kick to it To like your that. friend group. Because my, honestly, I'm working all the time. Because honestly, in terms of friendships, like, our circle has not changed much. At least mine hasn't. It hasn't changed much. No, you still got your solid core. Yeah, it hasn't changed much. Now, I've added people on, but. I still rock with the same people that rocked with me 10, 15 years ago. But for you, on the other hand, my, my circle has you completely don't changed. Really have a circle because you're never at home. For real. Always working. But, you know. So, and, and, and the last thing is this um, I, I, I'm becoming comfortable or trying to become more comfortable and accept where I'm at and also understand there are some people that I, I found this too some people watch me from a distance and I know they watch me from a distance because some of the things that they say to me and I'm one who's always willing to share I'm going to tell you somebody that I really 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 feel Maybe everybody didn't see it the way I seen it, but it, it goes back to James St. Patrick. He had a best friend named Tommy. Obviously, Tommy killed his girlfriend or whatever, but 
any if anybody knows what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the show power. There was something that I felt that I was like, ooh, I feel that so much. The scene where Tommy and Ghost, James St. Patrick, met up like in this, uh, I don't know, field. I don't know what it was. When Cedric the Entertainer was shooting Adam. Mm-hmm. And Tommy was like, so you're just going to leave me behind? He was like, you got everything and I ain't got nothing. And Ghost looked at him and said, you chose this life. I tried to bring you with me. You chose this life. Mm -hmm. It's not my fault. Now, he got a little cocky by saying, nobody can stop me. He was getting a little cocky. But I understood where he was coming from. Like, there has been certain people that I've told, you need to leave that environment. You frustrated, but you keep on going back to that environment. And then they ask me, dang, dude, how you doing that? It seems like you constantly, you know, quote, unquote, improving. That might not be the exact word, but that's what they're saying. And it's like one piece of advice that I got that I never let go of. A lady, when I was a broker, I asked a lady that was in business for 28 years. I said, how in the world have you lasted in this business for 28 years? It's very cyclical. She said, follow the market. Where the market is moving, you move. And I, I never let go of those words. And that was back in 2005. Mm-hmm. I never let go of those words because I'm like, I, I watch the market. And when I see the market sh- starting to shift, I try to shift with it. And I see people that choose to stay in the same environment. I'm not a I I'm not afraid anymore to move where I need to move in order to move. Mm-hmm. Somewhat. Somewhat. I still got, you know, some ways where I'd be like, okay, I don't know about that. But economically speaking, I've I've become more comfortable with learning how to move when I see a shift happening. Mm-hmm. And especially in your business. Especially in business, but also when it comes down to if something ain't working no more, why keep trying it? Mm-hmm. Maybe this thing has run its course or it's run its course with me or I've run my course with it. You know what I mean? So some people are like, they want to grow, they want to grow, but they're still hanging around the same environment. Why are you still why are you still at that company? Why are you still at that church? Why are you still with that circle of people? You you got potential, but you're in, you're becoming a product of your environment. You need to. So, I felt ghost when he was like, "You chose this life. I'm trying to get out the drug game. I'm I'm going legit." And he kept on telling people, "Look, I'm going legit. Ghost is dead. I'm it's James St. Patrick now. I I do my business legit." And I felt him. When Tommy was like, you you got everything and you leaving me behind. He was like, you chose this life. I tried to bring you with me. Mm-hmm. So I felt that because I'm like, there are certain people that's in my brain right now that I know that are like, dang, dude, you used to be with us. But I'll be like, y'all chose that life. And I tried, I tried to tell you, look, move this way. And they still decide to do certain things the same way they've been doing it, and they get the same results. And then they frustrate it, and they look at. And I've I've heard I hear the comments of, 
Dang, T. I'm biting my tongue right now, but it's like I'm becoming, I'm trying to become more comfortable with the progression God has provided in our lives. Oh, and I was going to say, you know, we didn't choose the struggle, the path of struggle. Sometimes you just have to go through to get to. Yeah, and some of the decisions that I made. And some of them were poor decisions, mm-hmm. you know, that you have to, like, get through to get to the other side on, you know. But that's a part of growing. That's a part of maturing and all it of that. It teaches you. Mm-hmm. But when you, for me, I think you and I both being the youngest children, when you see something don't go well for somebody else, it's like, eh. I think I'm gonna avoid that, and so I think looking back, we were you know we went down memory lane Saturday, just like talking about like all the stupid decisions that we made and just young crazy, and just young and dumb, and you know, but that's part of the story, and that's that's part of the reason why in 2020 we can be in a situation where we're like making some of the decisions that we're making now and having some of the experiences that we're having now because when we were 20, we act 20, <laughs> you know, we, we made some just dumb decisions. And so it's all about growing and becoming better. Mm-hmm. And that's why I would say to you, don't have survivor's remorse because every situation was a lesson. Every situation should have made us better, made you better. And so that's called wisdom. That's called living. That's called experience. Mm-hmm. And just like with our parents, there are some things they had to go through that now they can look back and tell us, like, uh, y'all might want to avoid that, step over that, um, turn left, turn right. And so we're in a situation raising two children that we can also guide them, but we can also understand when they don't want to be guided, Sometimes you just got to bump your head and make your own mistakes. You had to get your own scars. And so when you come out of that and things start to turn and you're just wisening up, like you're just becoming wiser, you know, you can feel like you're evolving and you're growing and you're moving and everybody ain't coming with you, you know? And that's the thing. It's like we look at, you know, Tyler Perry talks about how friends are – you got your roots, you got your 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 leaves, and you got your branches. Mm-hmm. And I think we make every person that we come in contact with automatically our friend, and we make them our roots. Because roots are there forever. Mm-hmm. You know, you got your branches that's pretty strong, that can endure some things. But you got your leaves that fall off with the wind and change in season. And so I think some of the people who are still around, you know, they, they're, they are the roots and you have some people who came in your life for a season and a reason to teach you something. Yeah. And so I just feel like, you know, and you got your branches, which I feel like are the people who, you know, that's there for you, support you, just may not talk to all the time, but you know, you can lean on them, you know, you, you can, you, they there for you. So I guess think for you, you just have to come to the acceptance that stuff, some people are seasonal, some people are permanent, but you just got to move with time. You know, it's about going with the flow 
the flow of life. Yeah, and, and I'm. <laughs> you ain't gonna stop me. No, um, I mean for sure. Yeah, uh, but no, I appreciate it. Um, I'm just sitting for like that, that's very true. It's very true. Um, but that's where I'm at. Yeah. That I mean, and I had to. It, I, I wanted to get that off my chest. Um, because one thing I'm learning is dealing with my emotions as they come. He motions by T.D. Jake. He motions because I think most of my life I really held a lot of stuff in, and then it come came out at the wrong at at, at a it came out wrong when it did come out. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning how to as I'm as I'm dealing with something, I'm learning how to express it. You either you're gonna like it or you don't. If I if I'm feeling a certain way, I'm like, yo, this is where I'm at. I mean, even in our marriage. I've blown up a few times where it's like I shouldn't have held that stuff in because then it was just like it came out all at one time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I made a vow to be like, and it, but but because when I did get upset and then I had a temper tantrum, it was like instant remorse, instant guilt, instant like, dang it. So then it's like, what can I do to change this? Deal with it as it comes. Mm-hmm. So it ain't compiling. So e- even me saying that, I'm like, I know people ain't going to, really, some people are going to get upset, but it's kind of like, who cares? These are my feelings. Mm-hmm. These are my feelings, regardless if you agree with them or not. This is the way I'm feeling. Yeah. And I don't buy into that group thought. I think for myself, I, I think another thing, and lastly, I'll say this, I think another thing that plagues or can plague our community is it's almost like this group thought and if you think outside of that thought people come after you mm-hmm. people come after you with with being upset like or or why you know you shouldn't feel that way and it's like no this is the way that I feel because I think for me I grew up west side dating I grew up around black people I barely seen white people most of my life I've lived amongst people that look like me in these last five years that has changed so i said that to say i see things i get to see things from a different vantage point Mm -hmm. which helps shape my perspective we have been to many different countries yes and when i hear the history like when we went to mexico or when we went to cancun or not cancun when we went to uh uh cayman islands and Bahamas and Spain and um, uh, uh, what's that one? Central America um, where all the kids was working on the streets. Um, I don't know. Oh, God. We didn't been so many places. Grand Turk? No, 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 no. Um, Anywho, Central America. I, I can't think what it's called, but it was just like you go to these different places and then you hear the history of their country and you be like, oh, so we ain't the only ones who's dealing with something. We ain't the only ones who's dealing with, you know, even in Africa, they deal with colorism. Mm-hmm. They don't deal with racism like we do. They deal with cut, co- well, unless they've been colonized. Um, But they deal, they deal with a whole different thing than we do. So we all got our struggles. And I'm not saying it minimizes our struggle. With, with certain things that happen to us but we all it's like i see things from a different perspective and from a different 
vantage point, and I'm a very understanding type of person. You know me, I get people to benefit of the doubt in a heartbeat. So, anywho, that's all I got. You got anything? I need some water because my voice is all groggy now. No, I do not. Yeah. So, um, I am DJ. <laughs> this is DJ Dorsey. I'm going to need you not. You said my voicemail sound like Nephew Tommy. This is Nephew Tommy. And you just got pranked. By your homeboy, Thomas. <laughs> Who? Yo, Nephew Tommy is hilarious. That he dude is. will push you almost off the edge. And then he'll then he'll grab you by your But it's your funny cop. because he has that show on OWN called Ready for Love. Mm-hmm. And he's totally different on And that. he's completely different. And it's like hard to take him serious because I'm so used to him being so serious, so so uh, silly. I got one more thing to tell you. Is you listening to me? What? What you got to say to me? This is Nephew Tommy from the Steve Harvey Morning <laughs> Show. And you just got pranked by your sister, Rachel. They be like, who? <laughs> hey, you all right? This nephew Tommy, man, from the Steve Harvey Moore. Man, you're going to get somebody killed. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, so I'm DJ Dorsey. And I'm Maya Dorsey. And this is another edition of the Dorsey Den Podcast. Holla at your boy. Until next time. (laughs) You forgot your line. It's only been a week. Holla. (laughs)